All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? Chicago. Ah, that's what, do you what I I've got Chicago too. We're going down the Chicago rabbit hole today. Okay, people, let's begin. Lift off! We have lift off! Get up, everybody! Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good! Because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast, episode 17! It's Tuesday, April 18th. I'm Andrew Marcus. And with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war and reconstruct America's cultural narrative in our image is documentary filmmaker and media critic, Jeremy Siegel. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Jeremy. Did I say that I'm Andrew Marcus, documentary filmmaker and podcaster? Did I mention that? You did. You said it. I heard it. Ah, well, I guess it's worth saying twice. I'm Andrew Marcus. I think the people heard it. All right, that's enough of that. Say it again. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, how was your weekend? Long weekend. Um, counting the days right now for this sickness to go away from our home. You're We're still under day- biological attack? We are on day 15 of some sort of gain of function <laughs> bat soup virus that has ripped through our household. Somehow I'm the only one that has not uh, succumbed to this illness. Although I do think it's in my system. I can I can feel something in my system, but it seemed to be fighting it off. Uh, let me ask you, are you... Uh, it's very handy that you're the only one that doesn't seem to be struck stricken with this, but uh, are you starting to get dirty looks from, from your family members wondering why you're not getting sick? Well, this is something that happens often. Uh, in fact, my brother-in-law suggested once that they do some sort of scientific research on my immune system because the kids can bring in all sorts of uh, illnesses into this house, and somehow I managed to avoid most of them, but I, I like to take vitamins and I'm sticking with that as my, uh, my reason for resistance. <sighs> well, I feel sick. <laughs> I'm not sick, but I feel, I feel sick and dirty after, after doing all this research for the last couple of days, Chicago, oh. did you see? So you, you, I'm sure you noticed, I, you saw Chicago had a bunch of youths, uh, rioting, Utes. Uh, running riot. Utes. Uh, and, um, but did you see that the uh, Democratic National Convention is coming to Chicago? It yes. Is- <laughs> I was so happy when I saw that. <laughs> I mean, I got this warm, fuzzy feeling in my belly. Do you want to cover it? Are we going to cover it? How many conventions have you and I covered together? I don't want to cover it. Well, I want to cover it from here where I am right now. I want to find clips that people post and Jeremy, talk about those. I Jeremy, don't want to go. Come on, again. this is going to be exciting, no. right in our in our backyard. 
Uh, we have been to, well, we went to the last uh, RNC together. You didn't come to the DNC. You you chickened out yes. because you had a hernia. Yes, <laughs> I had. I was having surgery. <laughs> you remember? But do you remember why you had a hernia? I had a hernia uh, stepping off of a curb in Cleveland. It was on the very last day. We were done, and I, I think we were like we were walking back to our uh, Airbnb and. I stepped off a curb. I had a lot of gear with me. We had been much running for days. Oh, <laughs> we had so much gear. Yeah. <laughs> we had so much. Yeah. We had we had full uh, uh, metal uh, military helmets. We we had okay. we could we were ready to get uh, shot in the head with a smoke grenade or flashbang or something. I don't know what. I've got to find some of the pictures because we were so sure. There was going to be a war breaking out in Cleveland. And we, you and I went and uh, Mike came with your wonderful editor from uh, Hating Breitbart. Yes, Mike Cadella. And, yep. And what did we do before we went? We were so sure everything was going to go down and hit the fan. <laughs> we went to the Army Navy surplus. We had masks. We had gas masks with fresh canisters. We had World War II gas masks. Like, <laughs> with fresh gas canisters. Masks. We were ready. Yeah. We got helmets that could sustain shrapnel. <laughs> yep. Now, Kevlar. That they were Kevlar that helmets. Right. Because there have been so many times that we've been out in the field that, that, you know, police start swinging their batons and they don't discriminate between journalists and videographers. Well, and bricks are flying. The, and, the, uh, the, and, the, 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 you know, they, they throw a lot of bricks. Right. Yeah. So well, like, you know, I, I really was, it was more a matter baton, of usually but, when, when that stuff is happening and we're not, uh, well covered with gear, you have to get out of the way. You got to pull back. And we didn't want to be. A, we didn't want to have to pull back when that stuff was going on. We, we want to be able to stay right in the middle of it. And uh, so that didn't was. Mike have a? Didn't Mike have a bulletproof vest on? <laughs> he did. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was like a hundred and ten degrees <laughs> in muggy, swampy Cleveland, and there were some like anarchists out there basically running around playing cat and mouse with the police. But for the most part, all that happened the whole week was a bunch of clowns running around riding unicycles and all kinds of weird, different, actually creative protesters outside the uh, convention. Like nothing happened. Right. Nothing happened. And we did not go in the convention one time. We had passes. We had radio hall passes to be in the convention. We could have gone in anytime we wanted. We didn't even go in no, the once. Action was always outside. Always the outside. And the action outside. was very was subdued no there. Action. I did get some really good interviews because it was low key. I got some great interviews. With we had a couple of viral things come out of there. Yeah, there was some, and there was one guy I talked to, and I wanted to find the clip, but I couldn't find it for today. But he was talking about eliminating, you know, people, basically killing people that don't go along with their plans and their revolution. This was an anarcho-capitalist. Well, he was about but, four years ahead of his time, right? But 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 nothing happened. The most eventful thing was you had a hernia. <laughs> I came away with the only the only uh, 
coverage related injury. <laughs> so I went to Philadelphia. I, there was a little bit better action in Philadelphia, but even there, and I interviewed, that was where I interviewed Lisa Fithian, which I've played on the show, some of that interview before. And she told me in that interview that she was not able to organize at that convention and things stayed relatively calm basically right but imagine uh, we've that been, if we, we could just get stop her from organizing altogether but we had also gone to were you in charlotte yeah you were in charlotte and tampa or were you just in tampa i was just in tampa i was not in charlotte in 2012 and there was a decent activity in in both places but things have ramped up so much since then I mean, right that it's was much crazier like, i think this is this is like the last best hurrah for us to like go in and and cover the insanity. So much more dangerous now. So I don't <laughs> want to go anymore. I have kids. I've had kids this whole time. What are you talking about? My my kids were <laughs> were worth risking. Yours aren't. Come on, man. Your you kids are your kids are nearly grown. They can live without you. Come on. <laughs> what is your oldest now? Four. Yeah, as soon as I heard Chicago for the DNC, first of all, it made total sense. Why? Where's the RNC? Milwaukee. Hello. But that's not why. That's not why. why, But but isn't it so convenient? Because those things are like one weekend and then the next weekend, right? So I think they're a month apart. No, they weren't that far apart. They're like one. They're like back to back weeks or two weeks apart. Right. You know what? Come to think of it, should, they should be because you have to the the media. They, they go from right. one to the other. The they don't need that long of a gap. You're right. Media goes from one to the other. They're going to be yeah. able to take Ubers from Chicago yes. to Milwaukee, and so are all the cockroaches <laughs> that are going to come to burn both the cities down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think Chicago is going to be very peaceful. I think you're wrong. You think so? Why? Because of its history of peaceful protest? <laughs> because the moderates were just elected, Jeremy. <laughs> you know what I think it's going to be? I think it's going to be mostly peaceful. <laughs> and you know what that means. <laughs> I tell you exactly what that means. Fire trucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... The the media are speculating, and I think they're probably correct, that it is, in fact, the uh, election of our new mayor, uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson, a friend of Bill Ayers. Here's a clip from MSNBC. The Democratic Party has chosen Chicago as host city. The decision comes after months of discussions and visits to different cities, including New York and Atlanta, It's believed that the victory of the new progressive mayor of Chicago, Brandon Johnson, may have fueled that city's momentum in this race. So you can thank Brandon Johnson for delivering the convention. And the media is not alone. Uh, I have a clip from, do you you know who Delmarie Cobb is? I do not. Okay, so she is a behind-the-scenes media strategist for the Obamas that we've just, we've never heard of. I went to chat GPT. Would you like to hear, should I, so here's what I'm thinking about for chat GPT. Do I put on a a voice like this? This is chat GPT. 
That one is a little hard to understand. It's I hard think. to understand. Okay. There's this one, but that seems like it's much it's too much robot. Yeah. So. No, that's too. too so just much. this, I guess. Maybe just my voice. <laughs> no, that's not gonna work. <laughs> Until you find something better. I, I need to dial in on these effects on the Roadcaster right. Pro Two. Uh, this sounds like I'm announcing at a at Wrigley Field. <laughs> now batting. Chat GPT. No, it's not right. You got to welcome to Chat GPT Wrigley Field. They could be the new sponsor. Maybe like yeah, the no, anonymous work. voice. Remember the anonymous uh, from all the the Occupy videos. Maybe something like that, like the digital, like speak and spell. Oh, it should be. Oh, the we are we are anonymous and we are legion. We are right. Yeah, we'll have to come up with this. All right, for now, board. I'll just do my I'll just do my voice. This is me asking ChatGPT, who is Delmarie Cobb? ChatGPT says, Delmarie Cobb is a well-known political strategist, public relations consultant, and journalist based in Chicago. She is the founder and president of the political consulting firm, The Publicity Works, and has worked on numerous political campaigns, including those of former Mayor Harold Washington, former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, and former President Barack Obama. Think about that interesting. Didn't Barack Obama put Blagojevich in jail? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cobb has also served as a political commentator and analyst for several media outlets, including CNN, MSNBC, and the Chicago Tribune. In addition to her political work, she has also been involved in various community and civic organizations in Chicago. Okay. So then I ask, what did she do for Obama? ChatGPT responds, Delmarie Cobb worked as a political strategist and public relations consultant for Barack Obama during his early political career in Chicago. She played a key role in helping Obama win his first election in the Illinois State Senate in 1996 and later worked on his unsuccessful congressional campaign in 2000. Cobb worked for Obama, continued uh, her work for uh, Obama continued during his successful 2004 U.S. Senate campaign, where she served as senior advisor and media consultant. She helped develop and execute a media strategy that focused on building Obama's profile and appeal to voters across state, the state of Illinois. During Obama's successful 2008 presidential campaign, Cobb continued to provide strategic advice and media relations support, particularly in the crucial early primary states of Iowa and South Carolina. She was also a regular commentator and surrogate for the campaign on cable news networks and other media outlets. Overall, Delmarie Cobb played an important role in helping Barack Obama develop his political career and achieve national prominence both in Illinois and the national stage. On the national stage. Now, assuming ChatGPT is not lying to us. She's like an outsider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's, she's maybe met him once or twice. They, she is clearly on the inside. So I would say that she's pretty plugged in and knows what she's talking about. And here she is on CBS, too. I'm asking you to frame this in, I mean, Chicago is blue, very blue. I love this guy's voice. Chicago is blue, very blue. Blue, very blue, very democratic. Um, some were thinking maybe they would go more with uh, the Democrats with, with a purple state, uh, the epicenter of a purple state, somewhere where they need to win, let's say Atlanta and Georgia, let's say Phoenix and Arizona. Um, 
In that regards, are you surprised they went with Chicago? When you look at the recent mayoral race, uh, which was a, a, a fight between both extremes of the Democratic Party, you have the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and the conservative wing of the Democratic Party, and the progressive uh, wing won out. Uh, those are the people that Biden wants to appeal to, the progressive wing, the young people, to make sure that they come out and support uh, the Democratic ticket in 2024. And so this is a homage to that victory and to the progressives, I believe. What she is saying is that what you had in the mayor's race in Chicago was old school Democrats who are basically limousine liberals and the hardcore progressive communists and the communists won. And that's exactly who Biden and the Democrats are going to appeal to which is frankly right out of Obama's playbook when he ran for re-election. Everyone thought he was going to tack to the center like almost every presidential politician running for re-election would do, and he didn't, and it was sort of shocking. He ran to the left. He ran even more hardcore, and he won. And I'm, I, I do wonder if that election wasn't stolen just like the 2020 election was stolen. Wouldn't um, matter. What? Why? Oh, because it wouldn't have mattered if... Uh, <laughs> If, if had McCain had won. <laughs> yeah, McCain and Mitt Romney. I mean, right. we were better off with Obama, I think. So ABC7 and the mayor, I think they must have gotten absolutely just ripped drunk the moment that this was announced. Because listen to this. They both can barely get sentences out. We are honored and pleased um, to be the host committee for the Democratic National Convention in 2024. I don't think the city is the host committee, right? No. No, the city is the host city. We are honored and pleased um, to be the host committee for the Democratic National Convention in 2024. She's, I think she's bitter <laughs> because she really, I think, feels like she lined up the convention <laughs> and now... And she'll be on the committee. <laughs> Right. Well, it should be in the committee. <laughs> be uh, and then uh, the 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 reporter who was covering this. Listen, he, he's got some. I'm having trouble getting words out too right now. But I'm uh, not a professional. I'm just a filmmaker, podcaster. The Democratic National Convention is coming to Chicago for three days, August 19th to the 22nd in 2024, where the party is expected to nominate Vice President Joe Biden. Who? <laughs> Vice President Joe Biden. Vice President Joe Biden. <laughs> or President Joe oh, Biden yeah. and Vice President Kamala Harris for another four terms. How long? <laughs> another four terms. I'm surprised I haven't seen a head I have surprised I haven't seen a headline yet on that one that uh Somebody else called Joe Biden the vice president besides himself, calling himself <laughs> right. the vice president. I think this <laughs> confirms it. He's really the vice president, and Kamala's really in charge. Oh, yeah. I agree with half that statement. <laughs> he's definitely the vice president, but Barack is the one who's in charge. Just, I'm just going to play it one more time. Tell me this guy is not drunk. He sounds drunk, or he, maybe he's got some sort of a speech, a speech affect that makes him sound drunk, but... The Democratic National Convention. The Democratic National Convention is coming to Chicago for three days. Three days. <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? I don't have his name. Is that Charlie Wojciechowski? I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. Hang on. Let me see if he's anywhere in here. 
when I pull these from YouTube, they sometimes they don't have the. It sounds like Charlie Wojciechowski, but I got to tell you, man, no, when Craig, I was out, Greg, street, Craig Wall, Craig Wall. Okay, because when I was in the street in Chicago, there were definitely some journalists that were hitting a bottle before they went out to work. I don't think that's a secret in that industry. Like much like uh, when you were working down on the board of trade, you probably uh, saw a lot of people with uh, white powder on their noses. I never saw that, but I there were a lot of people doing things that are sinful. Right. I mean, that's the that's it's just sort of like that's the reputation yeah. that that job has. Right, and there's a reason for the reputation because it goes on. Uh, so here, this is. Let me just finish out the rest of this ABC Seven report because it explains the media uh, narrative for why they chose the city. Chicago chose it in part because it represents diverse interests for the party, and it's an opportunity for Democrats to highlight their support for working people. Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson, who spoke to President Biden after getting elected, said in a statement this morning, Chicago is a world-class city that looks like America and demonstrates the values of the Democratic Party. We are unmatched when it comes to hosting events of this scale. I look forward to working closely with the DNC to facilitate a spectacular convention that showcases Chicago's diverse culture, our beautiful lakefront, our renowned hospitality sector, and our best asset, our amazing people. Oh, our amazing people. I have some awesome stuff to showcase that, too. Teens gone wilding. (laughs) This is. I agree with him 100%. In fact, Rahm Emanuel always talked about Chicago being a world class city. And I think it is. I think it's like all the other. It's a third world world class class city. It's it's becoming third world class. Right. Like all the other big cities in the world that you don't want to be caught outside after dark or before dark or during daylight. Or any warm weather. Uh, or here, cold weather. So so this last weekend. Where people uh, just go around wearing MAGA hats, lynching black people all the time. Right. This is MAGA country, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this weekend, did you, you, you heard the story about the, the, the teens running wild? They call it wilding. Have you heard of that? That I haven't heard. That's a new one for me. Yep. Wilding. Uh, teens gone wilding. I think that's the, that maybe is a good show title. <laughs> teens gone wilding. <laughs> I have another show title in competition coming up down uh, in a few minutes. So you'll see. So, uh, ABC seven has a, has a report on what happened. This is, and this is a bit of a bizarre report. It kind of soft sells it. It's, it's interesting the way they do it. They get like the most, some of the most pertinent facts out. They can't ignore the fact that people were shot. So they do get that out, but other than that, they pretty much soft sell what happened here. Chaos along Michigan Avenue during a beautiful spring night. Large crowds of young people captured on cell phone video running around creating a major disturbance near Millennium Park. Police confirmed two teenagers were shot near Michigan and Wabash. A 16-year-old boy was shot in the arm and a 17-year-old boy was shot in the leg. We've had it almost every year and I just think the, the, the police feel that they don't have support from the go, you know, from the, the mayor and stuff to, to really do what they have to do. Mayor like Johnson called the activity, quote, unacceptable and went on to say, quote, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. It wasn't just here in the loop. Similar problems took place at 31st Street Beach that also ended in violence. A 14-year-old boy was shot in his thigh. Okay, did you catch what happened in that report? 
And for people who've been listening to us, I, I hope by now you're beginning to hear this stuff when it happens. Mayor Brandon Johnson, what did he do in his comment? He turns it around and makes the teens the victims. Instantly. Instantly. And not only that, ABC covers for him by soft-selling it. They remove a very important word from his statement. The word, however. They say that he said it is not constructed to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities. Yes, he did say that. What he said was, however, it is not constructive to demonize youth. So what that means is that he said, I condemn the violence, however. They edited it out? They edited out the however. She read it and she didn't read the however. Listen to this. Mayor-like Johnson called the activity, quote, unacceptable and went on to say, quote, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities. He didn't go on to say. He went on to say. <laughs> he pivoted. He turned it around. And, and as we've been saying, every story, you can look at every story through the lens of who is the oppressor, who is the oppressed. And even in a situation where you have video, they have video of this mob of teens, and not they're not all teens. There's a, there's a bunch of you know young adults in there, too. Oh, and a bunch of uh, trannies, as far as I can tell. Uh, look like a bunch of dudes uh, wearing women's clothing. Uh, uh, uh twerking on top of cars but there's there's footage out there i didn't clip it because there's no audio other than you know uh, 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 the sounds of a mob but they're beating some poor woman who must have stepped out of her building on wabash uh right there in the middle of downtown and your office used to be right there it did used to be right there i i have uh i sold that as soon as uh, you know there were at the beginning of this this really started when, uh, during the 2008 crash when money started drying up for the summer programs. And I immediately got the sense that what was happening was that these groups, these community organizations that otherwise would have been getting money from the city for, quote, summer programs, they were now shaking down the city by sending people down into the Mag Mile to terrorize shoppers and tourists. And that's, that is right where my office was. And it just, it was way too dangerous. I saw the writing on the wall. I, I, it, it looked to me like it was institutionally organized and I got out, absolutely got out. And this is now, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't this bit, you know, back then it was maybe, you know, 50 kids tops in a group. Now it's hundreds, hundreds. And they, you know, back then, they weren't storming and taking over the road and taking over Michigan Avenue entirely. They were on the sidewalks. They were on the beach. They were, you know, uh, it wasn't Not as intense or as organized as it is now. It was and so nice back then. What's that? It was so nice back yeah, then. Yeah, it was really the good old days. <laughs> so, yeah, this poor woman is, they just, they surround her. They just beat that bejesus out of her. Uh, and she's terrified. You see the look of terror on her face before she goes I mean, down. Into it the was group. really, it's hor- It's a- it's absolutely horrifying. I don't understand people staying there. I mean, I understand people sometimes are kind of stuck and can't move, but whatever, like at this point, you know, you, where you can't 
go, you can't reasonably expect to leave your home and make it back safely anymore. If you know, you got to get back by a certain time or you might just hit a mob. Yeah. It's going to be, we I mean, don't go downtown anymore at all. We rarely ever go downtown and we're very careful about where we go out and we're getting out. I, I was in Wisconsin while all of this was going down. I couldn't have been happier. I was reading it in the news thinking to myself, Oh, what a great decision I've made. Uh, yeah. Here is um, here's some reaction. This is on uh, WGN. Uh, uh, some reaction from uh, you're going to hear Patrick Gibbons. He's a community activist. <laughs> I think he speaks for a lot of people out there. Chaos unfolding. Just steps from Millennium Park Saturday night. The crime in Chicago is simply out of hand. It's nuts. Hundreds of officers out Saturday trying to control groups of young people jumping on parked cars, kicking passing cars, smashing windows, and even climbing on CTA buses. We had people assaulted. We had people jumping on cars. This is insane. And drivers of cars acting recklessly right near officers. So you, what is there, you have a muscle car that is peeling out with its its tires throwing, a you know, creating a tremendous amount of smoke uh, right in front, not near officers, directly in front of two officers who are just staring. One of them's a sergeant. I saw that and I saw the police just standing there. They're just standing there. They're doing, well, what are they going to do? What, I don't can, try what to are they empowered to do? Can they shoot their tire and like stop them? They're, they're going to. No, because I mean, the city will immediately somebody. come down on them. The city, they, they know the city does not have their back. They are doing the bare minimum. And by the way, there aren't enough of them. So many of them have retired, have gotten out. How many times do you have to be told all cops are bastards before you're done? You're gone. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, it was never like that when I lived there. Things like this were starting to happen, but it was, it, man... It's out of control. Listen to these tourists who <laughs> witnessed it. Listen to what they say. These are clearly Brandon Johnson voters. Stewart and Heidi Floyd say they were in the area but only saw groups of young people. No. Stewart and Heidi. <laughs> Ken and Barbie. <laughs> Stewart and Heidi Floyd say they were in the area but only saw groups of young people. No destructive actions. They're just kids. They're really young kids. So you yeah. worry about what's, what's weighing so heavily on them that they feel that they have to do this. Yeah, they're so <laughs> troubled. Lady, they're all out there with their cell phones. This is social media driven. They're getting clicks. They're getting likes. They're up there twerking. Hey, check me out. The, uh, these people have their heads uh, firmly ensconced up their rear ends. It's, uh, yeah, I mean... Well, that's that's sort of the state that that we're in now, and I think that's a result of you know some of the stuff we've been talking about with uh, Yuri Benzimov and some of those other you know people. When we've gone through situations that we've gone through now, and where we've gone through this demoralization campaign, people are in a state now where you can show them exactly what's happening, and they deny it. So same thing here, like there's, you've got all of this violence, all of this stuff going on, but, but there's a, there's a large segment, I think of the population that's just like, 
kind of oblivious to I it. I suppose she strikes me though as just a white liberal who's on television and doesn't want to be seen saying what is obviously true. Right. <laughs> These people are behaving sure. like animals. I w- I would agree with that. But I think that that's a that's a common uh that's a common way that people are now and why they're still there and why they're staying there. Like, well, it just you know, it's like uh carjackings and stuff. As somebody I know my wife was asking, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, if you get carjacked, she still lives in Chicago. She's got little kids and she's like, well, you just give them what they want. That's it's just a transaction. You just give them what they want. And then, and then you can go home. Oh, really? That's the same thing. Was it, what, what, what about I that? I know woman people who've been carjacked in this town and yeah. it did not go quite so well. What about the woman trying to get into to her apartment building? Did she just give them what they want? I mean, they didn't even seem to want anything except to beat her. Right. That's exactly did they, right. Did they even rob her? Did they even take her No, phone? this is just raw. Trying to get into her building safely. And then as soon as somebody starts beating her, you can see in the video, they all just start cheering on melee. and more people join in. And to me... That's that's the that's Nazism right there. That's that's we are we're there now. We're there where groups of people can march down the street and just pick random people. Such a lack of respect for human life, and just pummel them. Yeah, but you're to make the analogy true. You're suggesting that that. Uh, that the communists in control of this city are somehow uh, behind what is happening. And that's, I don't know, that, that's, that's crazy talk, Jeremy. <laughs> that's crazy well. talk. I have, do uh, you want to hear NBC's coverage? I have distilled NBC's coverage down to one sentence. Are you excited? Yes. Yeah, here we go. We even sent our own crew to the scene. They couldn't even get out of the vehicle because groups of people were surrounding the truck. <laughs> so they left. <laughs> Why don't they just fly a drone over? <laughs> NBC couldn't even cover it. They don't even have enough police. All of their, they normally have Chicago, you know, off duty Chicago police doing their security. And my guess is that that's dried up mostly because those off duty cops are all on duty now. Yeah. And why would they want to help the media that's been, co- you know, basically oh, for the money? A, a participant in this setting up this whole situation. Well, so the police, I, I think there's a really good argument to be made that, that the police unions are the ones that have a very big interest in seeing this happen. It's their budget that's going to be increased as Brandon Johnson comes into office. Maybe. I think they've got a real motivation to see this happen. I don't know. I actually, did you see what they're doing in New York? Who's they? Um, the mayor, the Eric robot Adam. dog, the robot police. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you, did you see it? I got the, clip. Do you know, all you have to do is, spl- is splash paint or like mud on one of those things. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. <laughs> paint, I think is what you need. Is that right? Yeah. Just splash because, paint on the thing. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Except they're able to shoot bullets. <laughs> so you come at it from a few different directions. <laughs> as soon as I saw this, I started it shoots bullets. It can, yeah. As soon as I saw this, I started, like, we're going full Terminator. And here, I got a clip of it. 
First, there is Digidog, sniffing out danger. Then there's the GPS dart, tracking cars driven by people up to no good. <laughs> driven by people up to no good. Keeping an eye on places like Times Square. We want the public to know that the use of these technologies will be transparent, consistent, and always done in collaboration with the people that we serve. The NYPD showcasing three new tools that will be rolled out in the coming months. Pilot programs, the department says, linking cops with new technology, especially during extreme situations. In hostage negotiations, counterterrorism incidents, and other situations as needed. Digidog was originally launched during the de Blasio administration, but the program was suspended. Civil rights activists said it was an example of over-aggressive policing. Today, Mayor Adams barked back at those complaints. Uh -huh. Digidog is out of the pound. Digidog is now part of the toolkit that we are using. Similar robots have been used in places like airports and college campuses, cameras and two-way communications, connecting police with people who need help. The GPS Dart, already in use, launched in some cases at so-called ghost cars, illegal rides using phony paper license plates. And why we're doing this, it allows our officers to stay safe, stay safe, limit pursuits, and let the GPS do its job. So who pays for all this stuff? Well, police say 750 grand for two dogs comes from forfeiture money, additional funds from the capital budget. The oh, did they take the money from Russians? Money questions. This is an investment in our public safety. The new recruits start popping up this summer. First, there is. So, <laughs> wait, is, I, are you going to, are you going to, if you have somebody, if you're holding somebody hostage, are you going to negotiate with Digidog? <laughs> you're going to have to because Digidog is going to be the Digidog version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, and then you could have <laughs> Cop GPT and it won't even right. be a human being on the other end of the dog. <laughs> That's it, man. Terminator was predictive programming. Wow. We're gonna have dog, and did you then did you and then if you caught See, I, in the second that? half of that report, they were talking about using these GPS darts. Yeah, can you use those on humans? Right. Is it so just ghost cars? When they're gonna have Digidog shooting those darts pretty soon. <laughs> Right. They've already got police out shooting rubber bullets, and since the rubber bullets don't kill, why don't they just let Digidog do it? And then the policemen don't have to step in oh, the line. You know what they're going to have? They're going to have GPS darts that will like it. You'll, they'll shoot it at people, and it will go under your skin. You won't be once the dart hits you. You'll be able to take the. You'll be able to remove the back end of the dart, but the front, the the needle, the tip, the GPS tip will be inside of you. There'll be nothing you could do about it. Somehow, I think all of this is connected to a push for robotic policing and robotic military when you've got right, a greater surveillance you and i talked about that right, with the with the drifting uh those people doing drifting in the intersections right and they're and letting that happen because they want the chaos because it's going to in, in, uh, allow them to increase the surveillance right so imagine if digidog was out there in the melee in chicago he would have had uh gps darts put on those cars he would have he could they could probably have them shoot nets at people and tie up their feet or something you know but eventually it's going to go to steps that and it's it's funny because they they talk about in the report you know that people are worried they that 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 this will lead to over aggressive policing do you think <laughs> you think digidog is going to be sitting there making an, a judgment call the police are already trained in ways to 
to work so rigidly. I, I, I no. Jeremy, I, I, you're right, but I, I don't think that this is going to work for them. Not yet. I think no, that they can only aff- they can't afford it. First of all, they, no, they have this, to. They can only do it by seizing somebody else's money. And there are going to be the the humans are going to devise ways to defeat these things. In, uh, and in so doing, make it completely economically unfeasible for them to keep investing in it. Well, you have a very optimistic, rosy outlook. No, I just I think in the short care. term. I think in the long oh, run, in the we're short doomed. Term, sure. <laughs> yeah, but I'm ta- it's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the long run. I think that this I is. I don't care about the long run anymore. <laughs> this is what we're looking at. This is what what's coming you know right now eric adams is basically can't even keep a straight face he's you can hear him sort of laughing they've let the dog out of the pound and you know whatever but i think this is pretty scary stuff and when you see the you know the stuff that's happening on the street with the crime there's people are going to be screaming for some sort of you know return to normalcy right here's let me let me play this this is fox 32 they were the, they gave the most alarming report of the whole thing out of chicago and i couldn't decide because no no you and i agree with on this we we agree that this is what they're doing so i can't decide when abc7 soft sells it is that working against the uh exciting people to the point of demanding the increased surveillance here's fox 32 this piece seems designed to incite people to demand a reaction. Some breaking news off the top. Hundreds of teens flooding into downtown Chicago tonight, smashing car windows, trying to get into Millennium Park, prompting a major police response. Within the past few minutes, shots were fired near the corner of Madison and Michigan. Now, we had a news crew on the scene, but they had to move because of safety concerns. I was there a little bit earlier, about an hour and a half ago, and saw police escorting tourists and visitors to their cars in the Millennium Park parking garage. The crowd was trying to get into Millennium Park. But there are checkpoints that are not allowing anyone under the age of 21 who's not with an adult to get in. So they're massing across the street on the other side of Michigan Avenue. I spoke to a woman whose car was smashed by people jumping on the windshield. She says the crowd began beating her husband as he sat in the driver's seat. He's now been sent to Northwestern Memorial Hospital. I guess those tourists, uh, Ken and Barbie, didn't see that. Wow. And you so might be, you might ask yourself, well, where are their parents? I saw a lot of that. People saying, where are the parents? I think I found one of them. Uh, and, and this story is also obvious why the DNC is coming to Chicago. Chicago police say a pregnant woman who was shot and killed on the city's northwest side was a robbery suspect. Investigators say the woman got into a car and announced a robbery and then gunfire was exchanged between the people in the car and another unknown suspect who was outside the car. Oh, mom. Wow. The city is lost. Wow. Jeremy, it is not just the violence and the chaos, though. I mean, that's definitely a major problem, but the the bigger issue... In this city, because and uh, you and I—I I don't know—you tell me. Do you agree with me that this is this is controlled chaos? This is done on purpose. Not only do I agree with you, but 
I I don't know if you're ready for it, but I I talked to uh, Paul McKinley today about oh. this. Oh, oh, I really want to know what Paul thinks. Paul uh, is a is he a community organizer? Would you describe him as a community organizer? You could say you could say he's an organizer, definitely on the south um, side of Chicago. South and west side. He's an activist. You know, he's he's involved in local politics. He organizes um, signature campaigns for conservative candidates around the black communities, mostly the poorer black communities um, in Chicago. He's in, in probably people who are listening may have heard an episode where we interviewed him, uh, I think, about a month ago. But he, he's an old our racist friend. audience was said that they couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah, right. Um, I can't understand half the time, but racist. I've gotten to it. No, Paul's a good my friend. racist co-host couldn't understand yeah. what Paul was saying. Paul's a good friend. We started working together years ago, maybe a, over a decade ago, when we realized uh, how like-minded we were, and um, you know. They basically he he has a whole network of activists in Chicago that are they're not all conservative but they're all regularly fighting against the machine politics. They're anti-progressive. They're just right, and they're pro. Typically, they're pro-family. They're they're they they know many of them, including Paul, have gone to prison and seen, you know, what that does to the community and, and destroyed the families out there and, and put things in the state that they're in. But when I saw this stuff happening, I was like, Oh, I got to talk to Paul and just what see what he can make of it. And, uh, I called him today. He let me record the call so I could play a little bit of it. And I, he made a couple points one, I don't think you've uh, one that comes right in the beginning. I don't think you've thought of that's probably breaking news. Um, and then two, some of the things that we've already touched on with this type of uh, stuff that's going on, uh, he gets to the bottom of some of that too. So uh, I'll kick it off just with the beginning of the call, and then I've got a couple clips from it, but we can talk about each one. But listen to. Do you this. need me to translate for you? No, he he's he's clear. He's good. Let, uh, he might come in a little bit hot on the audio here, so bear with me a second. How you doing? What's going on in Chicago, man? Well, this Friday we had a incident this weekend with a whole lot of young people going downtown and, and wilding out. You're talking about. All, you're talking about. Oh, he said it. Wilding, wilding. wilding out. See, I never, I didn't hear him say that when we were talking, or I would have asked him what that meant. About all the videos that came out that looked like rioting or melee going on with, it was a lot of black kids. Right, right. Well, well what really happened was the young people was on 31st in the Lakeshore Drive, and some of them got into a with each other and somebody got shot. And so the police came up there and immediately these young students from the University of Chicago started saying, let's go, just take it downtown, take it downtown. So they started texting and 
And so this is like a dog whistle. This Wait, happened with the you, they're from, you said they're kids from University of Chicago? Yeah, they're from the University of Chicago. Well, how, do you, kids that, how do you know that? Well, the, people, the, the people that I was talking to that was on the beach said that they was from University of Chicago, that they wasn't with them. So you were talking to, you were talking to people that were there. Yeah, I talked to some of the young people that was there. So Paul Paul knows everybody in the hood. Everybody. Right, left, conservative, Marxist. I mean, he knows everybody. And whenever something happens, he gets on the phone with somebody that was there. <laughs> he, right. knows some, he knows somebody that was in the area. He knows whoever's name. He, you know, he knows all the gangs. He knows everybody who knows something about what's happening in each neighborhood. And they all respect him too. And he knows the alderman. He knows the mayor. Everybody knows Paul. Paul knows Barack Obama and Michelle. And they used to protest them all the time back in the day. Does he know Delmarie Cobb? Probably. <laughs> so when he first said that, because I was like, I, I wanted to call him. So like, what's going, you know, what's going on or why is this bubbling up right now? And he says, this, these are, this is University of Chicago kids. Now it's not all University of Chicago kids you see in those videos. Well, certainly there were, it looked like zero of them. In downtown, you, you had two events. One was on 31st Street Beach, which is down at University of Chicago. And then you had, uh, well, not, uh, well, University of Chicago is more like 51st Street, right? Yeah, a little further south. Yeah. But but it's a little closer to the campus. Uh, downtown Chicago on Michigan Avenue, uh, which happened on the second night, that looked like it was all just crazy kids. I, you know, I, I guess if that's, who they're letting he's, into University of Chicago now, but no, uh, he's saying that the events connected. Yes, and, that I agree with. Yes, so he like. explains it a little bit more right here. So, the, so the beach, they got into a fist fight. Some people got into it with each other, and somebody got shot. Now, that's originally what what I was told. Somebody got shot. That's that's his own issue separate ain't got nothing to do with nothing then people start saying man this city messed up they ain't got enough for the young people we need to go downtown now the stuff they saying they, they they pick real issues these are the dog whistles they take real issues and they start talking about these real issues there was people from the university of chicago at that when that shooting happened then they they instigate they instigate and start saying, let's go downtown. Yep. So when they get downtown, then it's a bunch of wilding out. We're running on cars. We're just doing it. We do what we want to do. But if you notice, if you notice, you don't see, if you notice, you don't see any white people. None. So that means that they're utilizing the black uh, women that's a part of those organizations at the University of Chicago. Those same organizations uh, that was a part uh, trying to help Brandon get elected. Jeremy, that would explain why it looks like there's a lot of transvestites in the, in the footage. Right. Okay. So when I was working with Paul years ago, 
there was a big protest march on Black Friday on Michigan Avenue. And yeah, I remember. Okay. Now, what happened was Paul and a lot of the community groups, the grassroots groups, the groups that aren't AstroTurf funded, that aren't part of the, he calls it the 501c3 industrial complex or something <laughs> like that. I have a clip of him talking about also that gets into a lot of this is that they were marching because there was a, uh, a kid that was shot by police. He was shot like 15 or 16 times. It seemed to be un unjustified, at least in the view of the people in the community. I don't remember the story Wasn't well enough. Quan James or something Quan like McDonald, that. Yeah. Quan McDonald. Yeah. Okay. And, and so there was a march and there, and, and what happened was, and I produced a video with Paul that day, but what happened is Paul had all these guys, Every there was a there was actually a, a big brawl in the middle of this march between the grassroots activists and then all of these like militant feminist Black Lives Matter pro you know activists from the University of Chicago. And I filmed the whole thing and Paul and all these other activists were explaining to me what was going on, what they were there. They were the, the, the University of Chicago people were trying to capture the energy from the people on the street who were, you know, upset about something mm -hmm. and take their energy and convert it into their push you know, in their militant Marxist BLM movement. Yeah, for a group billion dollar time. fundraising for their mansions. Right. And right. And the group at the time was called uh, Black Youth 100. It wasn't actually, uh, you know, B Black Lives Matter, but it was a, it was, Black Lives Matter doesn't matter. The, the, the thing is, 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 is it's a Marxist insurgency. This doesn't matter what they're called. It, it the mass line narrative ended up becoming Black Lives Matter, where everything was Black Lives Matter. So Black Youth One Hundred was Black Lives Matter, and every other group was Black Lives Matter. But at the time, that's exactly what was going on. So he's saying the same thing is going on here, where they are using the energy where all this stuff is going on. Somebody got shot. There's chaos. There's violence. And as uh, Brandon Johnson says, people are starved out of opportunity to take everybody downtown and go crazy. And what's going on downtown right now is not kids just going crazy. And what you said, are, are they being you know organized by the city? Well, to an extent, they are. This is, this is organized chaos that is that is being directed and the, and the target is downtown. In See, this I think case. it comes, it comes, it's two pronged by the way, because on one hand, what you described was what I described as, as what I was witnessing happen around my old office where I said, to me, it looks like a shakedown of community organizers who normally would have gotten that sweet summer cash and it dried up. And so they had to shake down the city. And when you're saying that he is hearing narratives of, 
hey, this city is terrible for youth. They don't have any programs for us. Okay, I'm betting that's coming from the community organizers who are in line to receive that cash. So that's that's one pathway that this is happening. But the other pathway is definitely top down because Jeremy, think about this for a second. The feds tracked down grandparents who were on the Capitol grounds on January 6th. Didn't, didn't even go into the building. They were just on the grounds. And the feds tracked them down with their cell phones. All of these people in downtown Chicago, they're all doing this on their cell phones for social media blast. It's all documented. They don't even need the feds. It's all documented. Their names are attached to all of it. They could shut this down in a weekend. They they know who all these people are. Right. So they're letting it happen. Right. So then I asked uh I asked Paul about Brandon Johnson his comments, you know, to not to demonize, you know, these kids who have been starved out of opportunity. So listen to this. Well, he should know. He should know. He should know they don't have no opportunity. He the one closed their schools down. Oof. Brandon Johnson is not uh, a innocent individual that doesn't know what's going on in Chicago. He was a part of the teachers union where they uh, had shit was a part of shutting down 60 schools in these same black neighborhoods to them. People didn't have a chance. He didn't care about it. They didn't have a chance then. He's the same one that went and got 10,000 that's right, 10,000 black teachers. He was their representative, got them fired, got them all fired. They couldn't get their pension fund, and they was in their 40s and 50s and had been working 25 and 20 years, and now they don't have no pension. So so these are the children that should have went to school and, and when he was, he was running the schools, and these are those kids and those children, and they're not, they 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 and they 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 some in their teens and some in their twenties. So Paul is saying, yeah, they are starved out of opportunity because of you, Brandon Johnson, because of people like you in the teachers' union organizing chaos on the streets, working toward radical Marxist revolution cleaning out the stock of teachers out there to bring in new young Marxist indoctrinated teachers. It's because it, as Paul says, he should know he's the one that does it. So I found this phone call, you know, with Paul as always to shed light on things that are going on that you just don't, see from the outside and you don't see from the media and the last uh, point that I would leave you with he makes here which is sort of about of uh, sort of how why it's why it's all going down and what you talked about um, you know who's benefiting and he gets into that right here you mark my word. You're going to be hearing Brandon saying that we're going to have to send the police and round those people up. We're going to have to send those people and lock those people up. I want everybody that's listening to me to pay attention to this. 
Every time one of these mayors, whether it been Ryan Emanuel, whether it was Daly or whether it was Lori Leifer, their first act of these mayors was to unleash police on these on these communities and then the police go too far and then the community react a certain way with the police well you knew that was going to happen and that's to to not watch the money now brandon johnson lives on the west side mayor Lori lifer said that she was going to put 700 million dollars on the west side and uh, about 700 million dollars on the south side you go to both of those neighborhoods, they ain't put that money in those neighborhoods. But not just that. Don't stop there. They've been putting money in those neighborhoods, but in those uh, progressives, nonviolent industrial complex. There's a progressive, nonviolent industrial complex. What he's talking about is there are 501c3 organizations all over the place. You know, stop the violence. Uh, Stop the Killing, 501c3. And then there's another one, uh, Save Our Youth from Violence, 501c3. And, you know, all all different types of organizations whose mission is, or stated mission anyways, is to stop the violence. Economic Industrial Park Complex, based on the fact that we're trying to, uh, these 501c organizations, saying that they're going to stop the violence, they're going to stop everything, they're going to straighten the community out. And they've been there for 20 years, and they've ran through hundreds of millions of dollars, not million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so they're laundering this money through these organizations, which in turn get behind the elected officials like this lady that we're talking about. He was talking about, in a di- in, when we were talking, he was talking about an alderman out there who was, was also uh, vocal in talking about the kids, uh, not demonizing the kids like Brandon Johnson said. They get behind them and they support them and they pushes them to uh, get elected. Once they get these people elected, then they start the treadmill of funding their 501c. So he's he's saying it's a cycle and a pattern to use the police and create conflict between the police and the residents. Wow. That ends up provoking a response from the residents, sometimes justified. I mean, there is such a thing as some police going too far. And 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 in Chicago? Yeah, and taking that energy <laughs> and then taking that energy as justification for putting more money into stopping the violence 501c3 yeah, I see that it. don't stop it, that in turn turn that money around to get people like Brandon Johnson elected and people people like him who are going to continue this cycle. And then he's going to go and get federal dollars and state dollars to go and kick back into those corrupt 501c3s and nothing's getting solved. What are you talking about? (laughs) Their their mansions are getting solved. (laughs) Their, their, Their 401ks are getting solved. What are you talking about? There's a lot getting solved. So I... I found that, especially for him to tie it to U of C again, because he talked about that. He says this all comes out of the University of Chicago. Literally everything. 
Occupy, Black Lives Matter. You go, you go back as long as you want, and and he believes that it all comes out of there. And when I first heard that theory, I thought he was a little bit kooky, and I don't think that anymore. I think he's absolutely right. And I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes on the street. Right. You know, many times, but that the biggest time that stood out to me was that day when we were downtown and I was trying to question them and, you know, just at, interview them and all I could get. And you could see it in the, in the, in the, in the video that I cut is they're putting their hands in the ca- in front of the camera, trying to obstruct you. We didn't give you permission to film our faces in public <laughs> on Michigan they're, Avenue. <laughs> they're as guilty as can be. I mean, acting just like you would if you're a guilty person. Right. Get the camera away. We don't want to talk to you. And that's because Paul, you know, Is was basically my it was basically my co-producer all the time saying, Go talk to them. Go talk to them. They're the ones you want to talk to. <laughs> the ones from University of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're gonna we'll spend a lot more time uh down the road focused on that. Since we're right here, I think that what you need to do is come cover the convention with me, and we will hunt these people for coverage to to out them. Uh, do you, do, there was another piece of – it's like the whole city went completely dysfunctional or put their dysfunction on display in the moment that they uh, announced that the convention was coming here. It's not an accident. No, it's not an accident. But the uh, it, it's de- what is not an accident is the timing of, of – the, the the convention is coming to Chicago because of Brandon Johnson, but there's a lot of other things that are happening because of Brandon Johnson as well. And uh, one of which is pretty much uh, the moment that Brandon Johnson was elected, Walmart pulled up stakes. The loss of this particular store in Chatham is especially felt given that they have the Walmart health program here and the Walmart a community academy, many people devastated by this news. And this news is that Walmart is pulling out of, they're closing down four locations, one Walmart superstore and three uh, three of their quick marts. And um, uh, they gave five days notice that they were closing the store. And, and people are freaking out. Chatham is on the south side. It is just south of Inglewood, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it's even sort of considered part of greater Inglewood. Uh, but it's down on the southwest side. And it is a definitely has been for many years. It's a struggling community. Uh, and uh, that was uh, WGN. Here's just the last part of WGN's report. In a written statement, Walmart spokespeople saying that collectively they've been losing millions of dollars, actually tens of millions of dollars every year when it comes to their Chicago stores. The company vowing to move store associates to other locations if they want to keep working for Walmart. And uh, so... The media is latching onto the five days notice and community organizers are latching onto the five days notice. NBC, you can hear that they're just listen to how they stoke the racial divide in this story. 
People living in this neighborhood are just wondering, how is this even possible? They say they feel as though the store behind me is always busy. The news was upsetting, as you can imagine, for longtime customers and employees here who rely on the store to get by. Walmart says it continues to operate at a loss despite making changes, upgrades, and even adding this Walmart Academy. Neighbors and longtime customers believe there is something more to the closures. Something is going on, and it's not fair, and it's not right, and people need to do, we need to, we need to protest or do something about it yeah you need to protest that should <laughs> that should take care of it they'll they'll change their mind nbc knows exactly why they're leaving but they're going right for the racial divide and abc abc news 7 they go right for the racial divide too i would like to, this area to look no different than other areas that i visit there's mariano's there's whole foods there's target walmart's What's so different about this neighborhood? We pay taxes as well. Yeah, well, there are a few differences, and we're going to get into that. But here's ABC and CBS combined pushing. You're, you're going to know this hot button word. Well, this Walmart in Chatham isn't just a Walmart to loyal customers. It's an oasis in an otherwise food desert. Residents are, of course, frustrated with the loss of the store and already having been a food desert, they claim. They plan to voice those frustrations in a rally here later today. <laughs> yeah, here comes the protest. It, I'm sorry, it is not a food desert. Uh, could there be more? Yes, there could definitely be more. There's not a ton, but... Literally, I have the map up right here. Uh, three, no, I'm sorry, 0.7 miles away. So seven-tenths of a mile away is a Jewel Osco, which has groceries and pharmacy. <laughs> okay, and it is right across the street from a Starbucks, uh, a Wendy's, a Wingstop, uh, a McDonald's, and a Burger King. It is not a food desert. Uh, you could walk from the Walmart over to the Jewel Osco. And you wouldn't need to because everybody's driving anyway. I love this notion that, you know, oh, well, I mean, you, you can't be expected to drive somewhere. M meanwhile, the, the parking lot is full at the Walmart. That's one of the things they're talking about is how can this be going out of business? The parking lot here is full. And out of the same, out of the other side of their face, they say this is a this is a food desert, and and it's one of the few places in walking distance. No one's walking to this Walmart. Almost nobody. Uh, here is. You ever heard the name Father Flager? Oh yeah, Father Flager, another Obamaite, right? I've covered many of his protests he's a very inflammatory uh clergy member i don't even know how to describe him saint sabina is his church yeah is it a, a catholic parish what is his what's his deal you know? to be a, it's supposed to be a catholic church but it's really just a radical left-wing marxist church where he organizes all kinds of radical Marxist protest movements and street actions. He's a close affiliate of Jesse Jackson uh, and, and Jeremiah Wright Bush and Jeremiah Wright. And so a lot of the, a lot of the left wing uh, 
actions that come out of Chicago, he's somehow connected to at least. He's part of the commie infrastructure that birthed Obama and birthed Brandon Johnson. His church would have been one of the churches that was, you know, providing housing to anarchists when they came for the NATO protests, right? right? When the, when all the anarchists come into the city to burn cars or have black block demonstrations, they get a fill, they get aligned with these radical churches. Sometimes a Catholic church like this, a lot of times it's a Unitarian church somewhere where they're very, very liberal churches and very left-wing and overtly left-wing and politically active churches, and they will provide housing and accommodations for the demonstrators to sleep there, to eat there, to use their kitchens and use their facilities as long as they're in town doing their demonstrations before they go on to the next place. Do you think Jules Osco is is right now hiring all the security from Walmart? I don't know. Jewel Osco might want to close next. I don't know. <laughs> Here's Father Flager leading the, leading the protest uh, outside of Walmart. We're here today because of the disrespect Walmart demonstrated to their employees and to the community. By simply announcing a five-day notice to all that they were closing the Supercenter and Training Academy without any warning or conversation with anybody. A store that was remodeled and expanded in the last two years, including a teaching academy, a new pharmacy, and a health center. If they say we're losing money for 17 years, why would you spend so much money remodeling and adding on in the store? Oh, well, that's a really good question. Why would they spend all that money? Well, I I can't imagine why they would have had to spend a whole bunch of money remodeling. (laughs) Here, let me, let's see. Julie, there's a definite sense of relief here. The reopened Walmart store with its health clinic, vitally important to the Chatham and West Chatham neighborhood, where sadly there are just not a lot of options when it comes to finding fresh groceries and prescriptions. Except for 0.7 miles away over at Jewel Osco. Oh, my favorite thing is after he says this, he says there's not enough, there's not a, not a lot of options for uh for food and, and prescriptions, they cut to a shot of somebody with a shopping cart with one, two, three, four big screen TVs, four Roku TVs in their cart <laughs> going up to the cashier. Back in May, during the unrest over controversial police shootings, you may remember looters virtually destroying the store, setting off fires inside the building that caused more than $3 million worth of damage, according to Walmart. Local residents grateful to see the store reopen in what's widely seen to be a food desert with few good options. Well, okay, yeah, they were they put a bunch of money into remodeling because the store had been destroyed by the community. They burned the place out. They looted it clean. They destroyed. They didn't just loot it. They destroyed it. When University of Chicago sent them over there to do it so that they could perform studies on food deserts. <laughs> right. The, it, uh, it, um, <sighs> 
I don't know. It just, it seems to me that the reason that they were able to rebuild it is because they probably applied for and received a bunch of PPP money. And now yeah. that the economy is crashing, the easy money and the free money is all going away. It's all drying up. You then add on top of that the fact that the city then elected a communist mayor, a friend of Bill Ayers. And if you're if you're a big corporation in an, in a community that is struggling like this, where you're getting a tremendous amount of theft, a tremendous amount of violence, and every once in a while they just loot you clean, and then the city doubles down on basically, I think that they would stay if they felt like the police were at all able to lock up people who are shoplifting, chronically shoplifting, but they see the writing on the wall. They've seen what happens in San Francisco, in New York, in other uh, hyper blue cities where the where the communists take over and they don't arrest the 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 shoplifters. Isn't there a story that just came out in uh, in New York that something like a, a sixteen hundred shoplifting incidents were a hundred people, one hundred and twenty people or something like that being rip, just churned over over and over again, in and out, in and out, in and out. Like it's an industry. Right. Well, so Walmart so sees that. They're not stupid. Yeah. They're gone. Now here's Alderman elect Ronnie Mosley. And by the way, everyone you're hearing at this protest, they all have the same endorsements. They all have the same endorsements for their races. They all are endorsed by the same group of people that endorsed Brandon Johnson. So what you're seeing here is a major U.S. corporation that has that has looked at Brandon Johnson being elected. They've thrown up their hands and they said, "We're out. We're done. We're gone." And now all the commies are are. This is a big covering their butts protest. They have to act like 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 Walmart is the demon and that they are here to protect Walmart's victims when they are the ones who did this to begin with. And if you remember, they were the ones who fought the Walmart from coming in the first place, the community activists. They held them hostage. They didn't want them to come. There's, we're going to hear a little bit about that. Here's uh, Alderman-elect Ronnie Mosley. This Walmart came here with the promise to be a partner in this community. As I campaign, I talk about the economic vitality that is here because Walmart is here. And before, before I even took the oath of office, my first day of orientation, I got a lesson of what that partnership could look like because Walmart said we are leaving. Do you think that's an accident of timing, by the way? That when these hard leftists were sworn in, they pulled up, that was the day they announced? Like I said, Walmart's leaving for the exact same reason that the DNC is coming in. Because the communists just beat the limousine liberals and took over the party. If Walmart is choosing to leave, that commitment cannot leave. We have to have that partnership. We have to see an investment. Yes, I'm thankful that they are committed to replacing a tenant here and to donating this Walmart Academy to a non-for-profit or community purposes. So the Walmart Academy is one of their training centers. They train their people, you know, to be managers, to advance in the in the corporation. And I'm sure that they provided a whole bunch of extra services in this community as well. Uh, 
if it's like anything else, I bet there were financial literacy courses, things like that. And they're donating that building. They're just giving it up. They're giving it away. Giving it to the community. Not enough, apparently. But it is not enough. It's not enough, Jeremy. It is not enough. It's not enough. And we won't settle for anything that's less than enough. So today, I'm calling for Walmart to honor that promise, to honor that commitment, but to push more. To push more looks like investing a $10 million fund for the projects that we need, the community investment that we need to go for uh, housing, to go for food security, to go for youth services. It's a shakedown. <laughs> it's a giant shakedown. Yeah, and now they can target Walmart everywhere. Everywhere. So they... Uh, they first they they loot the Walmart and basically destroy the entire inside of the Walmart. I think they set fire to the Walmart, if I'm not mistaken. And then the city elects communists who are guaranteed to not lock up a single uh, shoplifter. And Walmart says, "Okay, guys, we're done. We're out. We're, we're the easy money's gone. We're, nobody's subsidizing this anymore. We're out." And now they're going to come and demand $10 million from them on the way out the door. <laughs> Here's Alderman-elect William Hall, who also has the same list of endorsements. It's the same commie group. Everybody said enough is enough. Enough is enough. No, wait, wait. Nothing's enough. Wait, wait. hold on a second. Wait, what was the... Enough is enough. Enough what was the push enough. more. It's not enough. It is not enough. And we want. And enough is enough. Everybody said enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough. I'm sorry I put everybody through finding that, but I. <laughs> Walmart has once again shown us corporate racism and corporate greed. They said that they once lost so again, much money. They've shown but us racism single- and greed, but we want them to stay. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Day, Walmart trades on what's called the stock market. When they lose money, they adjust to make money. If they lost so much money in these stores, where was the adjustment to make sure that they didn't lose money? Because that's all it is. When you're losing money, you just make an adjustment and then you're no longer losing money. This is Alderman elect William Hall, economic genius. And so if Walmart doesn't invest in the people here, we will disinvest across the entire nation. There you go. Everybody say enough is enough. If Walmart again does not invest on this land with what this community needs, we will go from Chicago to Indiana to Michigan and every state where there's a Walmart. And the same black and brown people who make this store will be the same black and brown people to walk away from this store. Everybody thinks they're Reverend Al now. Yeah. <laughs> the big corporate shakedown. Uh, every major corporation should flee Chicago immediately. Get out. Get out while you can. I bet nothing's going to happen to Walmart nationwide. No, of course not, because other communities are not going to be on board for this. No. They want their Walmart. Guys barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, I can't. I want to follow these guys to see which community finally kicks their butts. They can go to all those cities they want 
and Walmart's going to be just fine. Then there was this very awkward moment. Cook County Commissioner Stanley Moore. <laughs> Listen to this. I'm Cook County Commissioner Stanley Moore, and I want to say, I remember when this was a vacant parking lot. I remember when we fought to bring this Walmart to this community. When we fought to put this Walmart here, there were entities that did not want this store here. That's awkward because you're standing next to some of those entities right now. (laughs) Myself and Jeremiah Wright were two people that fought very hard for the Walmart coming in 17 years ago. He says, we fought very hard for the Walmart coming in 17 years ago. No, they fought against the Walmart coming in 17 years ago. They shook them down to raise their minimum wage. Because of low wages. They finally agreed to go up a couple dollars and we said, okay, come on in. We said, okay, come on in. Flager is the Flager and Jeremiah Wright are the gatekeepers for what comes into the community. You don't come in without their permission. They came back in, they made the money, they remodeled, they expanded, and now they're the culprits walking out and they want to blame the community as the reason they're walking out. Look again at this parking lot. The community has supported them. But they have not supported the community. Yeah, I have an example of the community supporting them. Here's a clip from uh, from the looting. So this is what he started. Huh? This is what he started. Who? Cool. He put his neck on that man's neck and said we weren't going to do Oh, yeah. He did that. that, that that's fine and all. But you know we lost our Walmart. But you know we lost our Walmart, right? Huh? Is it ours? Yes, because it's in our community. Because guess what? We're gonna go for our Christmas. So we not Walmart. smart enough to build our own Walmart? Okay. Are we not smart enough to take out a loan and build our own shit? Cause they'll let us, right? Yeah. We gotta put our money together. Man. We gotta let nobody let us. Yeah. I would love to see that happen. I would love to see that happen. And just so you don't think that this is limited to Alderman, here's State Rep. Lamont Robinson Jr. Uh, to tell you whose fault this all is. So we have healthcare deserts, we have food deserts. Yes, right. And we wonder why yes, our communities look like they look. Well, that we have violence every single day. It is just not on us. It is on the corporate citizens that come into our community yeah. and ravage our community. Yeah, yeah. yeah Walmart ravaged itself. <laughs> they have healthcare deserts because Michelle Obama shut down all the trauma centers. That's right. I forgot about that. What was that? She was a consultant or she was on the board of one of the hospitals, yeah. right? University of Chicago. Oh. Yeah, she got all the poor people out of that, out of their emergency room, right? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, she made it where anybody that gets shot is like 45 minutes away from a trauma unit. Yeah, that's a healthcare desert. And Walmart, you should be absolutely ashamed of yourselves. You are the reason that our communities lack the investment that they have. We should not have to go out of our communities to find jobs. We should not have to go out of our communities to loot, to get medicine. We should not go out of our communities to be able to shop. We should be able to do all of this in our communities. We deserve. We deserve. We deserve, we deserve, deserve to be able to shop, yes, work, yes. play yes. in our own communities. If we got to travel to Indiana and Michigan and Wisconsin 
to take this road on the show, we will absolutely do that. Road on the show. I think that's another show title. <laughs> yeah. Road on the show. Uh, so I found another one of, I found one of his constituents who disagrees. Was that? Let's take this road on the show. <laughs> uh, one of his constituents disagrees. This is another woman who took video walking through in the aftermath of the looting. Every grocery store looks like this. Everything is either on the floor. Look at this. Can't even get no food for my kids, G. Look at this. Came in the store to try to buy something. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a thief. Look at this. In my hood, can't even get no food for my kids. Babies need milk. Can't even get nothing for my kids, bro. I feel like an animal, and black people made me feel like an animal. Y'all did this to us, but we, we, we this, this is what we're fighting for. This is honoring George Floyd. People who already couldn't feed their kids now they really can't feed their kids. I am so devastated right now. I am so devastated right now, G. This is not okay. For us to have to live like this, we do stupid shit like this all the time, and we so black proud. We so black and proud that we ain't gonna never be honest and be real about what's really going on. Y'all are so wrong for this. Y'all let them white folks send y'all off once again. Everything's on the floor. Tissue. We couldn't even find tissue less than two months ago, and now it's on the floor. Look at it. Meanwhile, we got plenty of fruits and vegetables. I'll go in and clean that up. The uh, lots of fruits and vegetables. So all the community organizers upset about the food desert. They're not taking any of the healthy food. I wonder if they looted it today. Would they take the Budweiser? <laughs> would they take the Bud Light or would they boycott the Bud Light? I think they'd take it. I have to tell you, I teared up when I first heard, when I was first listening to that clip. You can hear the pain in her voice. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that the media and the left and the Brandon Johnsons, they love the caricature, you know, uh, black mob coming and rioting and looting their own communities. They love the hypocrisy being pointed out from, you know, people outside of those communities saying, look, they're destroying their own community. They, they love that because it paints in the mind of people outside of that community. This is how everybody is inside that community. No, it's the minority inside the community that are like and this. It's not at all. And it's like, you listen to Paul and what I started finding and all the time I started spending out there was that Paul was actually not the minority out there. Paul was a, one of the louder voices out there and he's with a lot of other people with loud voices out there, but they're really representing the underlying sentiment within these communities. Yeah. And people I think that these communities have learned not to speak up against the man and the man right. is the, is the white liberal. Right. You know, but they 
I mean, I remember how many times I've been out there working and, you know, here's a guy walking down the street with his daughter in a birthday balloon. You know, people are trying to have a regular, decent life. They don't want the violence. They don't. But Brandon Johnson's right. You've got a group of people out here that see the situation they're in and they're they're ready to to ignite. But it's the Brandon Johnsons themselves that have caused it and then capitalize on it and exacerbate it every time it kicks off again. Yeah, and the media helped them. Here's a clip. The media, someone in the media, I don't know who it was, but she teased it up for these guys and they blew it. They, she teed it up for them and it was a swing and a miss. <laughs> Listen to this. She is... She she is she basically says, but here I'll play it for you. The audio there's a, there, there there was a problem in the source audio. Whoever was doing the recording, uh, they clearly were turning up the gain to try and hear the audio of whoever was asking the questions in the in the gaggle of reporters, and th- they're not mic'd. And so I went in to try and fix it, but you're still going to hear it. It's pretty clunky. If you don't hear what's going on, I'll repeat it for you so you hear. Uh, ownership of Walmart donated to the ballot campaign. Is this involving politics at all? So she says, ownership of Walmart donated to the Vallis campaign. Is this involving politics at all? She's teeing them up. She's saying, hey, do you think maybe Walmart's leaving? They're, they're putting all of these poor black people in the lurch because they're leaving, he's, they're leaving them stranded in a, a food and healthcare desert because they're angry that, that, that Brandon Johnson won? Uh, ownership of Walmart donated to the Ballas campaign. Is this involving politics at all? Oh my God! No, this is not about politics. This is about people. We're not. A, we're not in the business of profit. Yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> we're not in the business of profit. Not about she tried to tee them up, and, and this is how guilty they know they are. They immediately assumed she was talking about them. <laughs> that they were the ones being political because Walmart voted against their guy. So that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. They're punishing Walmart. They just didn't, didn't have the wherewithal to realize the, what they were being handed. It, so, and just the last clip, because this is also, I think, might maybe have something to do with why corporations are pulling out. Police say just after 5.30 tonight, a 51-year-old man was shot several times. He was taken to a hospital where he died. And it's not the first time a deadly shooting has happened outside of this Walmart. In January of this year, a graduate student from India was shot and killed here. That's all on this Walmart's property. And then the city goes and elects a communist who's going to throttle back policing. Yeah. I think they said enough. (laughs) Enough. And Jeremy, this takes us to our last section of this. Because do you think that it's gotten, do you think this has been crazy enough so far? There's more. Jeremy, I thought that, that, that I had sc- 
scraped the bottom of the crazy barrel here in Chicago with this story. And then, as the rabbit hole is wont to do, <laughs> there's more. Jeremy, three miles away. Three miles away in Inglewood. Now, Inglewood is actually is in a tougher situation than Chatham. Inglewood has, yeah, was, le- has isn't less. Chatham, isn't Chatham a little bit more working class? Kind of blue collar-ish. I don't know. I, I remember when I was out there a lot and when I was in uh, real estate in Chicago, Chatham was, I think, a little bit more, it just, it was a better neighborhood. Give, you know, well, given it, the when you look at the map and you're looking at the resources, it's been a while since I've been down there and I know these neighborhoods, they there there's a lot of uh change that goes on in these neighborhoods because the city develops pieces of it like you know before this Walmart was there there was nothing there this was bombed out uh but over in Inglewood there was a Whole Foods that was uh looted and uh nearly destroyed during the riots and that Whole Foods pulled out uh, a couple months ago, they shut down, and Whole Foods has its own problems in the city. They're they're uh, they're struggling to to operate their business, but uh, but yeah, they they pulled out. If you if you're Whole Foods and you've got to close down stores, which ones are you going to close? The ones that that the community has uh, destroyed, or the ones that where the community hasn't destroyed it? So yeah, Whole Foods pulled out, and the city. Uh, did work to find a new grocer to go in there. And and I tell you, it's three miles away, and the same community agitators, I mean, it's different ones, but it's the same, it's the same group of people. They're trying to shut down the new grocery store. Save a lot, agreed to take over the Whole Foods, and they're outraged that it's save a lot. It's not a good enough brand. Save-A-Lot grocery store behind me off of 63rd Street was expected to open up tomorrow, but after a number of residents expressed their opposition tonight, the grocery store's opening date has been pushed back. Several residents also saying they're disappointed that they weren't invited to a soft opening scheduled for tonight. And I'm just going to let you know now, those several residents, they were community organizers that protested and wanted control over this site from the moment Whole Foods left. They wanted to determine what was going to go on there. And when they weren't allowed to just determine what goes on on this private property, they were boycotting from the beginning. So, yeah, they weren't invited to the soft grand opening. Can you imagine? Tense moments Wednesday night outside of the new Save a Lot in Inglewood. And by the way, I'm sorry, I should mention this is WGN reporting. Shut it down. Shut it down. Several residents in the area protested outside of the Save a Lot where a Whole Foods was shut down back in November. Since then, they say community members have shared the type of grocery store they want to see in the Whole Foods place, and a Save a Lot is not it. People have unequivocally said they are not impressed with the Save a Lot brand. And that's community organizer Asaya Butler. Get to know that name. She's in every piece of media on this. The number one thing was that we wanted quality food products, and it was just no to a save a lot. The Alderman, Coleman, Taylor, and myself are very upset with how the community has been treated, and we're going to do everything in our power to ensure that they show the proper respect to the residents who deserve so much more. Now, this Alderman, the Alderman, this is so cynical. They know exactly what's going on here. They know the city had to work hard to replace that grocer. Uh, 
what exactly is it that this grocer has done that is so bad? Here's here's NBC with a report. Outrage and frustration from residents. Shut it down! Shut it down! Many of them not happy about this new grocery store opening and replacing Whole Foods in Inglewood. I'm really upset about this. And no matter what, I will never go inside that building as long as it's safe. I won't do it. If you want peace, break the lease. No, they've gone from no justice, no peace to if you want peace, break the lease. (laughs) As soon as it's going to be no public executions, no peace. Then a hundred protesters gathered right in front of the store just one day before it was set to have a soft opening, including Alderman Stephanie Coleman. We want an opportunity at a affordable, quality, fresh grocery operator in the Inglewood community. We deserve better. We demand respect. No, no, we For months, community groups have voiced their concerns, saying they don't believe the discount brand is the right fit for Inglewood. Save-A-Lot has never had fresh, quality products. That's Asaya again. We want also to have control on who's getting hired. If you're using our tax dollar money, we want to help with the hiring process. Did you hear that? Are they using taxpayer money? They are. But, and we, we can get into that. Uh, basically, because you, you, none of, no company will come in unless the city gives them a sweetheart deal to come in. It's not economical for any of these companies to come in unless the city pays them to. But she wants control. She wants to say over who they hire. Jeremy, that's my tax money, too. Do I get to have a say over who they hire? Well, why would you have a say over it? <laughs> it's my tax money, too. Here's Asia again on ABC7. She's in every single report. You're not going to ignore us. We need that conversation before any opening, if it happens. If it happens. She wants to be the father flagger of Save-A-Lot. You're not going to ignore us. We need that conversation before any opening, if it happens. Protesters and Englewood leaders here said they were left out of community talks with store leaders. Okay. Now, coming up in this report from ABC7 is, this is so shameful what they do. Listen to this. You should at least say something to the people who advocate for the community every day. Then came a turn of events. During the preview, store owners stepped outside and spoke with protesters. And within minutes, a protest paved the way for progress. It was a productive conversation. Uh, I appreciate people expressing their views. We want to respect that. Yellow Banana CEO and owners ultimately decided to postpone the store's opening until a meeting between city and community leaders can take place. We're not always going to be perfect, but when we make mistakes, we're going to own those mistakes. What mistakes? Wow. <laughs> the, the protest led the, paved the way for progress, Jeremy. Why don't they break the lease and have peace? Uh, it's unbelievable. I'm looking at the Save a Lot flyer online. And it looks like they have fresh food. They do. Well, Save a Lot was. Uh, I, I, we're just about to get into the company. They, they were. They were. Uh, a, a. They were a chain of stores, and a group of people purchased a bunch of their stores and became their largest franchisee. Essentially, I don't know if they're called franchisees, but they they took over a bunch of the circuit. Uh, 
Here is um, CBS two. By the way, again, we're in a we're in a in a food desert. Everybody in these reports is obese. Almost everyone, almost everyone they talk to, almost everyone you see in the images. For a food desert, they sure are finding it. Now they're fighting the store altogether, saying the discount grocer has a reputation for serving lackluster product. It's like they're in Inglewood, so they don't deserve fresh fruits and vegetables and stuff. They'll take what they give. Will you shop here? No. I can't afford to feed this to my grandson. We want a fresh, affordable, preferably black-owned, but we want a grocery operator that's going to have employees that look like us in our community. Okay, so they want black ownership. Now that's probably not that's not unreasonable in this neighborhood. You you know, uh, I think that it's possible. Maybe uh, they'll feel more empowered if it's black owned. Uh, I, I guess um, all the businesses in the community should be black owned, but they're not because of corporatism. They're not because of the machine. And they're well, not because they're they they have they are the barrier to entry to to start a business, and things like minimum wage keep people out of work. They keep people from opening businesses. Well, here, hang on a second, because there's a wrinkle. We had and and it's in this report. See if you pick up on it. We had no takers. That is just the truth. The mayor and her team facing enormous challenges in finding a replacement in Englewood. We worked tirelessly to talk to all the other um, food um, and grocery store chains across the city um, and urge them to take a look at that community. City Hall announcing $13.5 million in tax increment financing to grocery group Yellow Banana to operate a Save-A-Lot store in Englewood, the black-owned grocer in other Midwest cities, and they're focusing on other underserved Chicago neighborhoods. The Wait. What? <laughs> Did you catch that? Increment financing to grocery group Yellow Banana to operate a Save-A-Lot store in Englewood, the black-owned grocer in other Midwest cities, and they're focusing on other <laughs> underserved Chicago neighborhoods. They're protesting a black-owned grocery store. That's why. That's why. Why? Explain that to me. Because it's black owned. So why are they protesting? Because it's black owned. They're sitting there saying, "But this is this is their pro their problem is that there's the the what." So here's the here's what the 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 group that took over. Let me. I went and and looked this up so that we could have this accurate. Oh, oh my gosh. I totally forgot to tell you that Walmart story. There was one detail that they left out of the Walmart story, Jeremy. Yeah, they gave them five days notice. But you know what? No one told no one in the media mentioned nobody at that protest mentioned Walmart's paying everybody until August 11th. Four months of pay for doing nothing. They got five days notice on a four month vacation. Anyway, back to the other protest of insanity <laughs> at the Save-A-Lot where they're trying to shut down a grocery store. Uh, I went and looked up the, the company who owns it. And it is, yeah, it's Yellow Banana. 
And hang on one second. The window closed. I'm going back to find it. It is owned by a company called 127 Wall. It is four guys, three black guys and a white guy. The one white guy, the one white partner, he has experience operating grocery chains. And so he's the he's the CEO, he's the guy on the scene opening this store. And it's triggering these activists. They can't stand that there is a white guy in the group. They say, here, here, listen, listen, here's I here's Aisha saying specifically, we where she she said. She wants people who they want people who look. No, that, that was the that was the alderman. Affordable, preferably black owned, but we want a grocery operator that's going to have employees that look like us in our community. We don't want any white people working here. Racist. They are just openly racist. Well, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, because I can see it. <laughs> They're openly racist. <laughs> here's here's black co-owner Michael Vance. We want a black-owned grocery platform to bring in black entrepreneurs like I like my coffee black um, and make this a successful, engaging experience for black and brown folks in this community. No, I think they also don't like this guy. I think they don't. It's uh, f- these guys all went to Yale. They they all met each other in Yale Law School, and then formed this business. And, and when you look at it, they're trying to help their community. My guess is their community doesn't see them as part of their community because they all went to Yale. And this guy looks like he just came off a golf course. This is what they do to successful black people. I guess they shake them down. Here, listen yeah. listen to what, what these the stores people, have uh, to do. I wonder what the people not at the protest think. I, I, I would people. bet that they I bet are. more people that want this store than don't. I think they probably shake their heads, but I bet, I bet that they feel like it's just business as usual. This is just the price of doing business. There's a payoff. There's a community organizing payoff that you have to make. It has to be built into the business model. And it's one of the reasons the city has to pay businesses to come down to these neighborhoods and operate. Here is the evil white man grocer talking about, listen to what this grocery store has to do. This is what businesses in this community have to do to placate the communists. Store leaders say they want to make sure the community's interests, like offering financial training, are prioritized. It's a grocery store, and they're going to prioritize financial training for the community. Uh, Okay. I guess. I mean, it's good. It's, it's great for them if that's what they want to do. But that's not the typical service of a grocery store. Usually you buy groceries at a grocery store. And you buy a, a bus pass, too. You can get some stamps. Store leaders say they want to make sure the community's interests, like offering financial training, are prioritized before the store opens. We have a relationship with Self-Help Credit Union, and they do financial literacy training for folks that don't necessarily know how to qualify for a credit card, how to qualify for a mortgage. Self-Help is willing to work with us. Grocery store operators say they are committed to serving the community and offering opportunities for minority entrepreneurs. 
you remember that time you went to the grocery store to learn how to get a mortgage, Jeremy? Yeah, the other day. God bless these people who go into these neighborhoods and try and operate a business. Because it ain't easy. And that is all I have for the insanity that is Chicago. Well, you know what that I, means? Oh, do you have I more Chicago? Want, do you have Chicago? No, 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 no. I just, I don't want to open a grocery store in Chicago. <laughs> that was going to be, that was going to be our fallback plan, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't even want to open a convenience store in Chicago. I don't know why anybody would open anything in the city. Let's suppose you are not in the pathway of any of this nonsense. And there's plenty of places in the city that are not in the path of this nonsense. Uh, why, like, would you open a restaurant just so the city can shut you down when the health, when the health department decides there's an emergency and you're just toast? Why would you well, open anything customers here? Customers can get beaten and carjacked on their way in. Right. Your customers, your employees, yeah. Well. <sighs> so I'm selling my place if you want to buy it. Money, money, I don't. Beautiful place. But I don't right, want to. Gentlemen, we've arrived at that point in the podcast where we get to tell you how this all works. You may have noticed. We do not have any corporate sponsorship, and that is no accident. No companies would dare advertise on the Truth Bait podcast. No, that's not true. Walmart might now. Walmart, <laughs> right? We are now that Walmart is friends of the podcast. And we, save a lot. Uh, All them save a lot. I think uh, I'm actually going to go to save a lot. I can't. I, I want to see how good it is. I bet you it's really good. They've probably been trying to improve the company, bringing value to the community, and value is what this is all about. The way that we produce the Truth Bait podcast is not with corporate sponsorship. Corporate sponsorship is not the way to go. Corporate sponsorship controls you. You can't say anything controversial. Well, what the what the corporations think is controversial. I can advocate that people remove their genitals when they're teenagers. That's not controversial. Uh, saying that I don't think that America is uh, a... a uh, institutionally racist country, that's controversial. Uh, saying that I don't think that children should go to uh, drag shows, that's controversial. These are the things we want to be able to, to speak the truth, no matter what the truth is, no matter when it is, and you can't do that with corporate sponsorship. So we have the value for value model. And what that means is if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to the analysis that we're bringing, if you think that this has value to you, if you're enjoying this, we ask you to return value to the podcast. And there are a number of ways to return value to the podcast. Time, talent, and treasure are the three main ways to return value to the podcast. Time. Boy, time is absolutely a commodity. It takes me, I don't know about Jeremy, I think Jeremy, I don't know, it takes you at least an hour to prepare for the podcast. It takes me two days solid to prepare for these podcasts. It's a full-time job. And of course, I'm jesting. Jeremy is is putting in uh, probably almost as much time as I am we when he's not switch. nursing his entire family back to health. We should switch. I'll do two days preparation and you do an hour. 
<laughs> well, only if I get to nurse your entire family back to health. <laughs> if we're really going to switch, let's do it. Uh, so it takes a tremendous amount of time. And one of the things that's incredibly helpful to us is when people send clips. I've actually been receiving a bunch of clips. Uh, came in this week. This uh, We had decided that this week we we're going to focus solely on Chicago. And I haven't been able to use those clips that people have, have sent in. Don't stop sending them in. I am seeing them. I am going to be using much of it. Uh, please keep sending it. That's incredibly valuable. I'm really encouraged and excited to see that people have been really uh, uh, taking us up on our call for uh, for that time element of of returning value, and that is absolutely uh, incredibly helpful to us. It's it's very hard to put these together, hard to listen through. Well, I mean, there might be, I think there were thirty, uh, roughly thirty uh, clips that we just listened to, twenty or thirty clips. And it takes a long time to listen through all that material, to whittle it down to just the essentials. And so all that, that sending us stuff and, 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 and letting us know where in the clips you want us to look and what's important about it, so helpful. Uh, talent is another way. Uh, we're trying to get our website up. We have uh, show art that we need. There are lots of ways that maybe if you're listening, you let's suppose you, 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 uh, you are a, uh, a web designer or a digital artist, you could deliver value back to the show by helping us with things like uh, album art. We want to have a different piece of album art on every episode. Now, so far, we have not been able to do that. And our main artist, our gifted graphic designer, is currently sick in your master bedroom, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so uh, we always are looking for people who can help us and help carry the load uh, uh uh, to uh, to help return value to the show, uh, we've all we've talked about this a lot. Sending us comments, sending us uh, advice, sending us segment ideas, also rating the show, rating the show where you're listening to it, giving it its five stars, leaving a comment where you're listening to it, very helpful, uh, and sharing the show, share the show, share the show. These are the things that are of greatest value to us. The, the, the third way, which is financial, time, uh, time, talent, or treasure, the treasure portion of it, which again, we keep saying, but it is, it's going to be coming soon. We're getting our bank account set up and soon we, we will be uh, uh, requesting that people, if they can, return value uh, to the podcast directly with a contribution. And we will have more on that as we get closer to that, Jeremy. You mentioned you know, building in uh, uh, some sort of reward, some sort of incentive program for people who donate financially. I like what you know. Uh, one of the podcasts that is really the, the podfather of this podcast, the No Agenda Show, uh, one of the things that they do is they, and they were the pioneers of the value for value model, uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak uh, pioneered this. And um, uh, uh, oh, shoot, where was I going? What was I saying? I just lost <laughs> Value for value model. They started the value for value model and they have a system for tracking your donations. Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming to my rescue, Jeremy. <laughs> Tell it, take yeah. it, take it away. And uh, they, yeah, they have a thing called the Knights Roundtable that when you once in your lifetime have a, achieved a donation, a total donation amount of $1,000, you get to become a knight and you get knighted to sit at their round table, which essentially is a nickname and you become Sir 
whatever. But and they also have credits. They have real credits. They have credits. They have show credits that are on uh, IMBD. So you can actually claim legitimately to be a producer or an executive producer based on your donation amounts of the show. I think we should come up with some sort of similar system. It doesn't have to be the same, but something that people can maybe work toward. And they do that like if somebody donates a dollar a day for a thousand days. Once they hit that thousandth day after three years, they become a knight. If somebody gives a thousand dollar donation, they become a knight that day. Um, I don't think think we do. We we definitely wouldn't do the knights. I I would definitely be in favor of doing producers, executive producers, associate executive producers. Everybody who listens to the show is a producer. If you're listening to our voices right now, you are a producer of this podcast. You're an active listener of this podcast. You're not just a passive listener. Uh, You have the ability to contribute to this podcast, to send us an email at truth at truthbait.com and tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you think. Think this podcast should be. That's what you can be as a producer. Uh, but what they have is uh, the levels of associate producer, which is for people who give $250 or more, and then executive producers, which I believe are people who give uh, $300 or more. Uh, look, we don't. I don't think that we're going to ask for a specific... We, we, we might attach a specific amounts to a show title like that. Um, I like that. I like. I have. I have show credits from them. I have them up on IMDb. I'm Andrew Marcus number four on IMDb. <laughs> I think I used to be Andrew Marcus number two, but then two other more important Andrew Marcuses have scooted in and they've booted me back to Andrew Marcus four. Uh, but I am there. Uh, I'm the Andrew Marcus with the hating Breitbart credit, and I've got the, my. I have my show credits up there. I'm an executive producer on three episodes. Uh, actually, four, but they, uh, the the fourth episode hasn't posted yet. So, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that is that is something we're gonna we're going to implement down the road. More importantly, though, I still think the most important thing is sharing the show, spread the show, mail it to somebody. Don't mail it to everybody. Pick one person. Mail it to one person. That helps. That's growing the show, and the show is growing. We see it in the numbers, and it's exciting. I see a, a review on Apple Podcasts. I, I've been baited and love it. Really appreciate the perspective that Jeremy and Andrew bring to the issues. They uh, make us have a few laughs and make me think. Well, that was uh, Chris the Lawman wrote that on there. And there's another one. It says, I've been baited. Absolutely loving the show. Love your guys' energy and enthusiasm. Keep up the good work. And guess what? That one was written a while ago when we weren't so enthusiastic that people were even writing to us to be more enthusiastic. So I wish I had read that then. <laughs> no, I, it's possible because that that was an it, ironic it, comment. <laughs> J78. <laughs> that might have been sarcastic. comment back in March when we were new. <laughs> then we got a little bit too much energy and we we're talking about being excited about shootings and we had to dial it back. It's been a work in progress. Those are great comments. Thank you very much. And please, our other listeners, we know you are out there. There are definitely more than two listeners. Please go to Apple Podcasts, leave leave a comment, and leave a rating. That is extremely helpful for us uh, as we are growing this program. 
We still are looking for feedback on the show in general, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. It's too short. You'd rather have it be a four or five hour show. <laughs> yeah, I hear that complaint all the time. <laughs> it's too long. You would rather have it be a shorter show. Uh, you like the segments. You don't like the segments. You like the clips. You don't like the clips. We don't play enough clips. We play too many clips, but we, we, we want to know what, people listening think so that we can tailor the show to what you like. Uh, we think that'll make it a better experience for everybody. And uh, the more participation we get, the better it's going to be. Agreed. Well, Jeremy, I had Chicago <laughs> and I don't, I don't have anything for after the ask. Now, the only other thing I saw, and it was sort of relating to this um, sort of subject matters, not Chicago. I think it's actually uh, New York, but it was a clip that started going around this week. And it's some some hearing, basically, and, and the woman just lights up. Yeah, with, this is yesterday's yeah. this is yesterday's hearing in New York, uh, the House Committee yeah. investigating the violence uh, from Alan Bragg's uh, uh, policies in New York City. Here, just take a listen to this. Your your experiences are devastating, but the problem is is that this is a charade to cover up for an abuse of power that they are going around talking incessantly outside of this hearing about Donald Trump. And the purpose of this hearing is to cover up for what they know to be an inappropriate investigation. Now, I look forward, many of you are Can I in respond New York City. You, no, not right now, because I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. But I, I do Don't want to. Don't insult my intelligence. That, uh, you're uh, not hang on, hang on. The gentleman's time. I'm not insulting you. You're trying to insult me time. like I'm not aware of Ms. what's going Ms. on Brain. here. Thank you. Okay? I, I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Okay? Gentlemen, gets another 15 seconds. Thank you. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. Committee will be in order. Ms. Brain, what I was what I was about to say is that as a representative of this city, I look forward to working with you, with Ms. Harrison, Mr. Your (laughs) Wow. Who was that? Who was that? Who was the guy? The guy rep. Daniel Goldman. Democrat? I assume so. Play her play her response to him again. That was unbelievable. Let's see if I can find it. Because I'm playing straight off of the uh it's toward, towards the end. You're trying to insult me like I'm not aware of what's going on here. Thank you. Okay. I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, we'll suspend. Gentlemen gets another fifteen seconds. Thank you. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. That's unbelievable. She, so Daniel Goldman is an heir to the Levi Strauss fortune, it says. Born into immense privilege, went to Harvard and Stanford, purchased a congressional seat. I wonder if he was wearing Levi's when she spanked him. That was unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, that should scare the Democrats. 
Well, that's a good place to, to wrap it up, I think. You know, it's that's that ties into everything Paul talks about, I think, to what we were saying. The sentiment is there among the community. People know what's going on. Yep. They're sick of it. It's why they're ramping things up. It's why things seem like they're spinning out of control. Because they need to spin things faster and faster to keep disorienting everybody. Well, I'm definitely feeling disoriented. Oh, but I have to say the Truth Bait Podcast helps me find my bearings just a little bit. I hope it helps everybody else as well. Everybody, I hope you have a great week. Try to hang in there. We'll be back on Friday without fail. Jeremy. To the best of our ability. (laughs) That's two in a row you blew. (laughs) Well, you have been baited. And I hope you enjoyed it. Write us at truth at truthbait.com and listen every Tuesday and Friday where we will bring you the Truthbait podcast without fail. The best of our ability. There you go. You made it. And now back into this. Oh, wait, before I do that, Jeremy, should we have a password? Should we have a secret word for people to make way, it this far? Well, we have. To, we said there's going to be a prize. And last time we did this, actually two people. There were Chris two? And, I only saw the one. Yep. Chris and Jenny from Wisconsin. Oh, send them in. eggs and honey. They texted in the secret password, which was white house press secretary i think oh i want to take them to lunch what <laughs> let's is do the, it i'm a what is, that's the prize i'm taking you to lunch <laughs> uh today's password they already is, they already listened to us for four to six hours a week they might not want to get lunch. <laughs> <laughs> today's word is cheeseburger cheeseburger And now back into the sea of clickbait with you all.